2: This is make it kind. M I P with Mark Thompson. Make it Get woke. It's Thursday, folks. It's time for your favorite segment with the founder of the largest online progressive community, DailyCoast.com, also the founder of Civics with. Q, the online polling firm with a very representative, in fact, one of the most representative sample sizes. Uh, and then, of course, the brand new podcast and successful popular itself, The Brief, Marcos Malitzis joins us now. How are you, buddy? Doing good. How are you doing? I'm good. 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 to Good to see you. Good. to Good to have you with us as always. I guess one of the biggest things is going on right now, just in terms of visual, I get your response to that early. What's going on with Haitians at the border and people on horseback pushing back Haitians, that is not looking good for Biden or Harris right now. They've gotta they've gotta do something about that. And then of course, you know, once again, this country seems to get most riled up when Haitians try to come here. Other people come, you know, it, it, people get upset about it, but it's like there's this obsession with Haitian people fleeing what we all know they're dealing with that's been well reported on and and trying to come here.
0: Yeah, I'm um, I got to say the the way Haitians have been treated right now is viscerally upsetting to me. It it just cuts so deeply that I cannot believe that this is something that the a democratic administration Would do. There's been a migration of Haitians from Latin America, Haitians that live in Latin America. They're being dumped in Haiti where they don't even live and haven't They're generationally haven't been. They speak Spanish, but because they're black and Haitian, they're being shipped off without any kind of processing, without any hearing of any asylum claims, without anything like that. They're just being dumped off in Haiti where they don't know anything in the middle of what is basically the Somalia of our side of the world. There's no functioning government. Gangs and warlords run the country. It is a hellscape, and the Biden administration isn't just rounding these people. That was upsetting enough, and now we see the images of border patrol lassoing them, whipping them from horses. So, Signing. Signing. one thing that one thing that the Biden Harris administration, I think, realizing is that we're not we're not Republicans. We're not going to sit there and put up with idiocy and cruelty from our government because he's on our team.
1: Mm -hmm.
0: You know, it's nice, Mark. We had a few months where we can actually be really happy. And (laughs) and we said, we said, maybe, you know, if there's a reason to criticize Biden, we're going to criticize Biden just like we did when Obama was president. And here we go. Here's our up. And I'd rather not. I really would rather focus on how we can get voting rights reform passed and and uh, build back better law passed with, you know, over the obstructionism of Christian Cinema and Joe Manchin. You know, we got so many issues. And why? Why? Given the state of Haiti. We are more than capable as a country to welcome refugees. But yes, yeah. why, Mark? Because because they're because they're black. That's why. That's right. Yeah, that's yeah. it. I mean, there's nothing else. I mean, Latinos aren't treated, you know, that much better. We see the right wing going crazy over F- Afghan refugees. So, but you're right. There's something viscerally crueler about the way Haitians are being treated. And um, I'm not surprised that America as a country is hostile because we, we know who we are now as a country. Like there's no illusions anymore. But I certainly expected better from a Biden-Harris administration.
2: Biden put this in the lap of the vice president in terms of dealing with the border crisis, which I would not have wanted that job. I don't think anybody would have. I mean, it's trying to fix something that continues to be broken for a long time. But I mean, it's perilous because here you have the the first African-American vice president and she has to deal with images like this. It's, it's It's not a good look for her. It's not a good look for the administration. They've really got to figure out a way to get this together and resolve this. In the meantime, the progressives in the House, what are your thoughts about them? They're saying that they want the $3.5 trillion there uh, in reconciliation. They're not going to compromise on that.
0: Are, are they being unreasonable? There's a game of chicken going on. And I mean, they're not being unreasonable. That was the deal. The deal was that the $1.5 trillion hard infrastructure bill would be passed concurrently with the build back better human infrastructure built. That was that was the deal. Now you have some house a-holes and you have mansion and cinema talking about, oh, it's too much money. They're not actually looking at specific programs. They just they think that it gives them credibility as centrists to be able to say, well, we just split the baby, right? We we they wanted 3.5 trillion. Republicans wanted zero. So let's make it 1.5. And boy, look at us. We're so common sense, problem solving, moderate. That's not really, nobody gives them credit for that. Nobody gives a damn. I mean, it's, it's uh, maybe the Wall Street Journal or the New York Times editorial boards will give them a pat in the back. But I mean, it's, it's patently absurd. But there is a game of chicken, Mark, because... Kirsten Cinema has been run has been running. We just found out she's been running this sort of shadow campaign with independent voters in Arizona. It turns out Arizona voters, if you're independent, you can pick your primary. So she has seemingly given up trying to win a primary with Democratic voters. She thinks she's going to do it with independent voters. I think I think she's off the rails. I mean, it's it's <laughs> she's not popular with anybody right now. But we see that from her communication, her emails two independent voters, non no party affiliation voters in Arizona, that she is taking credit for the $1.5 trillion dollar infrastructure bill that she brought together, Republicans and EO. She's bragging about something that hasn't been passed. And so if she sinks the Build Back Better $3.5 trillion dollar bill, she's also sinking her own major accomplishment, which is what she is already running on for her 2024 re-election. So there is a game of chicken. I mean, do progressives, it's the same old, you know, choice that, that they've had to deal with in the past. Do we get nothing? Do we compromise? And there's a lot of good in both the hard infrastructure bill And even if we're talking about a $1.5 trillion Build Back Better scale back bill, there's going to be a lot of good progressive priorities in there. That said, every time progressives cave, it sends a signal to those, quote, moderates that, you know what, they're going to cave anyway, because we have, we hold all the cards. And so I'm willing to play chicken because in the end, the person that's going to suffer the most is Joe Biden. Joe Biden comes from that tradition of the centrist problem-solving left. Let him deal with Joe Manchin and Kirsten Cinema and any you know any any obstructionist Democrats in the House. Let him fix this because the progressive side of the aisle they made a deal. Everybody agreed to it, including Joe Manchin and Kirsten Cinema and everybody else. They agreed to that. Freaking do the deal.
2: Yeah. Uh, as a matter of fact, uh, you know, Biden priding himself on working across the aisle. Mm-hmm. I mean, the, the real aisle he's got to work across now is yeah. with these Democrats, with with Manchin and Cinema.
0: Yeah. It, Let, it, put it on it, him.
2: Make him work. Yeah. Yeah. Because it, it's still galling that their own personal political interests override the well-being of the country. And what Biden needs to recognize quickly override the party too. Cause again, if these things don't happen then you don't have a democratic party in power, Marcos in 2022, we will lose. You know, it's gonna so, be hard to continue to mobilize yeah. people under these circumstances. And maybe that's what they, maybe we need to recognize, maybe that's what they do. Is that what they want? Do they want them, the democratic party to lose? What would, is anything they would get if the Democrats lost the house and the Senate in 2022?
0: I mean, They could switch parties. I mean, it would be the end of Sinema's political career. I guess they could do that. The fact that Joe Manchin hasn't already actually says that he's really not a Republican. So he'd probably be more apt to retire. But yeah, they're not going to get anything. So just President Biden, just buy them off. Just ship off an extra couple billion dollars for coal miners and call it a day. The end of the story Just freaking buy them off Just shut them up so you have something to run on. Uh, otherwise. So Pete DeFazio, he's, he's a congressman from Oregon. He's the chair of the House Transportation Committee. He just did his whole tweet storm that was actually kind of telling. He's, he's furious. He's furious at these quote, you know, the mansions and the, for trying to renege. And he's pointing out that in the $1.5 trillion infrastructure bill, there was a provision to help cities buy electric buses. Not only did that get stripped out by Joe Manchin and crew. But they actually added language that they had to use fossil fuel buses. So there is an undermining of this critical uh, climate change agenda on behalf of fossil fuel interests. There's, this is not because they're centrist. This is not because they're, you know what, we're gonna, we're gonna go, we're gonna be moderate. We're not gonna be crazy liberal. Nobody wants, other than oil barons, nobody wants more. Pollution spewing buses on city streets. Even, <laughs> even if you didn't care about the politics, do you want the bus with a big black cloud of smoke behind it, or do you want the one that doesn't have a big black cloud of smoke? So a lot of the stuff was been, you know, the electric buses. It's all being pulled back into the uh, Build Back Better bill. So the is like, yeah, I'm not, I'm not voting for that other bill because there's just no way I am going to actively harm the environment by supporting one over the other.
2: Even the big automakers in Detroit came out with Biden in support of everything being electric by what? Well, at least half of cars being electric by 2030. That's in nine years, Marcos.
0: Yeah.
2: You know, that's as long. That's a shorter period of time. And you and I have been talking on air together. So that's going to go like that. What are these people still holding on to? I mean, this is it. This, this this is so you want to prevent some electric buses
0: yeah so yeah and this is this is where it's sad that west virginia which is one of the poorest states right. had everything on a fossil fuel that destroyed its environment and killed its own people black lung disease too bad but okay you know what throw a couple billion dollars at the freaking state at those coal miners or there are there's there's like 10 times as many solar panel installers than there are coal miners at this point I mean, this is not even this is not even an industry that matters in any economic sense. How much now? These people matter in a personal moral sense, right? They matter, but not in an economic sense. Why are we holding on to that?
2: How much coal is even still being mined these days?
0: Yeah, I mean, we'd have to look at the numbers, but it's, it's down dramatically. I mean, it's it's there is no market for coal. What's left of that market is going to China. And they're moving on cleaning their air up too, so that market is pretty much dead. There's there's no reason for it. Nobody wants it yeah. for all yeah. the obvious reasons. And at this point, it's not even just that it's dirty and it's polluting and uh, and it causes horrible health problems. At this point, it literally is cheaper to have renewable energy um, power. If you look at if you look at wind, solar, hydro, and batteries. It's actually cheaper to generate that energy. You have to build out the infrastructure that's being done, but that's cheaper than, than, so there was a bunch of coal mines that were going to be, con- or uh, coal-fueled electrical power plants. A bunch of them were going to be converted to clean coal, and then they realized the economics just weren't there. Aside from the fact that there's no such thing as clean coal, even <laughs> if there was, the, the economics of it just aren't there. So they, they converted to natural gas, which is um, not great, but it's a heck of a lot better than coal and a lot cheaper for those conversions. So there, there's no market. I mean, why <laughs> Wyoming passed a law where they funded a they have a fund to sue power plant operators who convert away from coal. I mean, mm-hmm. this is this is I mean it's it's ludicrous on its face, the idea that a power plant gener, you know operator can't decide what fuel to use. And I mean it's just it's just Stupid, but this is how desperate they are to cling to an industry that's dead. It's dead, dead, dead. There are, I'm just looking up as we're talking, it looks like there are
2: about 551 coal mines
0: left in the United States. Yeah, if you look um, at the number of coal miners, I think we're down to like 40,000. Yeah, yeah. Now, of course, there's in industry, it isn't just the coal miners. It's the people that supply the equipment. It's the people that you know, the diners in those towns. It's there's an ecosystem around it, obviously. It, 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 but this is where just pay pay these people. Mm-hmm. Just literally, just helicopter in money. Just you know, pay them a hundred thousand dollars a year. They can sit on their asses. I don't care. Yeah, that Hit would be pin- a better investment if you can get the rest of this bill passed. Right. And that would be a better investment for our climate um, than, than try to subsidize and force private businesses to continue using polluting, dirty fuels. Who, and who would be against that?
2: Um wonder how much money they make now. I'm sure it's not much more than $100,000 a
0: year, if that. Oh, no, no. So, I don't make a lot of money. But whatever. But you know what? You, and, and I mean, I. I <laughs> Someday, if you want to really get into this topic, and it's an absolutely fascinating topic, it's one of my writers, Mark Sumner, who is, he's a scientist and he's an expert on pretty much everything. Um, he worked for a coal company. And so he knows that world intimately. And if you wonder why these people do a job that is as horrifying as coal mining is, right? You're, you're going down into the, it's dangerous it's 30 people die of cold, uh, black lung disease in their 40s and 50s i mean this is not and it's a horrible painful death why do they do this and mark says that that they built this entire propaganda around it like you are keeping america moving it is your your work that keeps the lights on that keeps industry humming that and so they they truly believe in their job, not as I'm doing a job, like what a shitty job. No, they, they, for them, it's almost ideological. Yep. They are what keeps America humming. And that's how they've been sort of propagandized into continuing to fight for a job whose time is long past. And really, yes, nobody it, yeah, nobody should be doing it.
2: It's romanticized, mm-hmm. Loretta Lynn, all of that, I'm sure. they They get caught up in it. I know you said that and that's and that ought to be the case that and I would support that I think many would support that but so help our audience understand because I know it gets a little complicated and I I know it but then I don't always remember the best way to articulate it how does reconciliation actually work
0: so reconciliation is everything all these parliamentary maneuvers are almost like accidents of procedure, right? None of this stuff was like, actually, the filibuster wasn't a conscious effort to protect minority rights. It was an accidental parliamentary maneuver that was in the books that somebody realized could be used to obstruct. And that's how it became this big obstructionist machine, right? It, nobody invented filibuster as an actual rule of the Senate. And the budget reconciliation sort of falls in that In that bucket where it was, for whatever historical reason, if a bill has X budgetary impact, and it has to be neutral, so you can't have new taxes, it has to be revenue neutral. If you have certain conditions, then it doesn't need – it It bypasses the filibuster. Again, nobody mapped this out. Nobody created or carved out an exception to the filibuster. It just – somebody figured out oh you're going to use weird parliamentary trickery to have a filibuster well there's if you dig into them and in, you know mark it's far beyond my level of expertise in parliamentary procedures in the rules of the Senate but somebody found out this exception to the rule and historically it's only been used i think once or twice a term suddenly this year democrats magically discovered that you could do it a third time now I don't know if that's actually somewhere in the rules or they just declared it, you know, and but you still have this sort of budgetary impact rule. And this is where bringing in the parliamentarian can come in and say, well, that doesn't meet the rules, the, the definition of, of budget reconciliation. Now, this same parliamentarian said that the Trump tax cuts, which generated trillions of dollars of debt, could be passed under the rules of budget reconciliation. Remember, it's supposed to be revenue right. neutral. Right. There was right. no there was no analysis of the tax cuts. credible analysis. I'm not talking Mitch McConnell's BS right There's no credible analysis that said this was going to be revenue neutral. but the uh, but the Republicans pretended that it would be and oh you know there's a the parliamentarian so the parliamentarian has been very generous with Republicans. She's been very hostile to Democrats. she should be fired because Democrats can even ignore her. There's nothing saying the Democrats run the joint. They, could, they can overturn any rule. The problem is Joe Manchin's gonna be there being like, you know, you know, know. I think Joe Manchin's hiding behind a parliamentarian as a way to try to block as much of the agenda as possible. This is why next year is so important, Mark. Yeah. And I know we say it every year, but- Yeah, every year. It's, it's like the most important election of our lives. And then- But it is. It still is, it is, everyone
2: is. It everyone is, everyone is.
0: I know it's frustrating and it's exhausting. And wouldn't it be nice to just be able to like chill for a couple of years? So yeah, it'd be yeah, awesome. They don't chill, and we need oh, we need two people. We need we need a a we need a plus two, even a plus one. No, nah, they still to Mansion Cinema, plus two. Like we need to render them irrelevant, and we need a plus two in a very tough map. So, so to be clear, uh, I'm going to go to the plus two. But
2: to be clear, the Democrats can replace the parliamentarian.
0: Like, yeah, who
2: decides it? They, because Chuck, they're the party Chuck in
0: Chuck Schumer. Chuck Schumer can fire her. And
2: are going to do it because...
0: Who the hell... Who Because, oh, my God, maybe Republicans might say something mean about it. I don't know. (laughs) Nobody cares. Nobody cares about this stuff. They think people care. They don't.
2: More MIP after this
0: message. So where are... Did people even uh, know there was a parliamentarian until about 10 minutes ago? No. Well, they
2: definitely didn't know... I mean, most people heard about it, you know, during Trump and the tax cuts. It wasn't like yeah. something that was the foremost, that's when people, and it was all this new, what is a parliamentarian? What can a parliamentarian yeah. do? The parliamentarian has been more in the news in the past few years than at any time in my lifetime. And there's always been a parliamentarian. Yeah. Now, in terms of the plus two at this hour, where do you see that plus two being most likely to come from?
0: It's a tough map. We have to defend Mark Kelly and Raphael Warnock in Arizona and Georgia, respectively. They won special elections. So now they're going for their full term. Okay. We have to defend Nevada, which was another very close state in 2020. So we have three, uh, and even New Hampshire might be competitive. I'm hoping it's not, but there's a possibility New Hampshire is competitive. On the other hand, our opportunities are, in these states are going to be very familiar, they are in Florida, North Carolina, Pennsylvania, Wisconsin. We have outside chances in Iowa and Ohio. Um, I don't really think we do. I think those states are gone. Uh, they're too white, too rural. But Wisconsin, Pennsylvania, North Carolina, Florida, all of these states are the exact same states we had to fight for in 2020 right? And these were all, Wisconsin uh, was a half a point victory, right? Pennsylvania was a three point, um, was it three points? It's about three point Democratic victory. North Carolina was a three point Republican victory. Florida was a three point Republican victory. These are all razor thin states in and off your election where Democratic performance typically suffers. Mm-hmm. So it is going to be challenging just to even hold our 50 seat majority, much less gain it. Now we can. the The seats are there to pick up. So this is going to be very critical to keep people motivated. And having you know Joe Biden, Joe Biden's border patrol whipping Haitians on the border isn't exactly really motivate people. And having Joe, uh, having Joe Manchin obstruct. Joe Biden's own agenda doesn't get people motivated. So there's a lot of challenges we need to get there. But on the other hand, Republicans are doing everything they can to try to get our side out, right? They, they, Donald Trump is is sticking his nose and raising his profile. Abortion is going to be on the ballot in every single one of these states mm-hmm, mm-hmm. because this is now a state level battle. And it's even a battle for the Supreme Court, our ability to expand that Supreme Court and, and rectify the shenanigans of the republican of the of republicans in the last few few years. So the Supreme Court's going to probably have a ruling on a Mississippi law sometime that summer right before the election. I have a feeling that the Texas law is is, is not going to survive, but this Mississippi thing, it's, I'm almost guarantee it thing's going to pass. You, th- so, you, think
2: the, you think the Supreme Court will overturn Texas?
0: I think the law is so ludicrous. And right now, the two people that are that are suing this this one brave doctor who's challenging the law, may, even even the right to life crowd is whining about about the <laughs> about the plaintiffs. See, one guy is is a guy in Illinois who says he's pro choice, and he's actually suing for the ten thousand dollars in order to help get the law invalidated. The other guy is a self described disgraced former litigator who is in house arrest for like 10 years who wants the cash. And I know that the, the anti-abortion crowd's like, they're not even doing it for life. Like no, $10,000 bounty. Nobody's doing this crap for life. Right. They're doing it for the, for the, and that's how the law was built. So I think the, the abortion part of it is going to be ignored for the whole, you know, vigilante, spy on your neighbor's side of things, because that's, that's, it's pretty gross. But by not blocking the law outright, I think the Supreme Court sort of signaled that it's ready to make abortion illegal to any state that wants to. So this is going to be on the issue. I mean, Texas doesn't have a Senate seat, but Texas has the governor's race and all the top of the, you know, attorney general, those races, and they have uh, the state legislature is going to be, we don't have new lines, but it'll probably be, you know, somewhat in play. So there is a universe where, where if our people turn out in Texas and we can take control of state legislature, then we could turn things back, you know, make abortion legal in Texas again. It doesn't fix true red states, you know, the Idaho's and Wyoming's. And, but this is now a real battle. It's an existential battle for a woman's right to choose. And. They are, their people will always turn out and vote, right? The, the anti abortion crowd, they vote like nobody else. They're some of the most reliable voters year after year. That's why Republicans have always catered to them so, so consistently. Our mm. people, you know, that are interested in these issues are, are younger, like unmarried women. These are not reliable, consistent voters. Republicans are doing everything they can to mobilize and motivate these people to vote against them. So they're doing what they can to help us out but we also need to do stuff to help ourselves and so um i'm not i'm not feeling I'm, you know right now if i had to guess I, I i might even just guess status quo we end up with 50-50 senate another 2 years of mansion and cinema hell but um <clears throat> i'm hoping i'm hoping and the other factor mark is that trump is doing a really good job of uh, lining up really crappy senate candidates because the number one rule is, do you kiss his ring? Right? It's not are they electable? Do we have so you know Herschel Walker in Georgia? That's a yeah. gift. He Perfect, he's yeah. he's back. You know he's back in his right wing congressman in um, Pennsylvania. There's still gonna be a primary. They didn't clear the field, but it makes it a lot easier to run against the the ultra right wackos than it is somebody who would be more reasonable. And you have a uh, Dean Heller, who's a former senator in nevada now running for governor he can't even this guy's supposed to be a moderate he can't even say that joe Biden is president he was asked at the press conference announcing his candidacy this week if he accepted that joe Biden is the president of the united states and his response is i know who the president is and like yeah but it's it joe Biden. i know who the president is just can't can't even say it out loud no, nah, because that way you can, can you know they can go to Donald Trump and say, oh, you know, I, you're obviously the president. I know who the president is, but he can't right. he can't say it. He's afraid of that video clip that'll be circulated amongst amongst uh, yeah. the Trumpkins. Right, can't say it out loud. Yeah, amazing, amazing.
2: More MIP after this message. But lastly, you know, I, I, there are some Democrats who. Are under the impression that what Mansion and Cinema are doing are going to have the opposite effect that voting rights organizations and voter mobilization organizations are saying, they say they're actually going to inspire that base you're talking about, our voters who may not always be reliable. They're going to definitely come out and vote because of Mansion and Cinema's behavior, but I, I think that's a very risky bet.
0: I I would not make that bet. I don't think people really are that plugged in yeah. now. It, it does make me wonder if running against them in 2022 next year, might not be a bad strategy to mobilize sort of people who are kind of paying attention. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Cinema in particular has, has gotten a lot of negative press and, and you know, instead of running against Mitch McConnell, maybe we run against <laughs> Kirsten Sinema. That, that's actually a very interesting, because um, remember Mark, the, the game isn't persuasion. And especially not in the mid year. Nobody's nobody needs to be convinced whether they're Republican or Democrat. Everybody knows. We're so polarized right now. Everybody has a team. Even if it's yeah. a loose affiliation, they have a affiliation. Independent pick one side or the other. A Bernie socialist is probably gonna vote Democratic, and a Tea Party Republican is probably gonna vote Republican. They both right. consider themselves independent. They're really not they're just not members of one of the two parties right so the game is how do you get your your supporters to vote and we just saw this in 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 the california recall where there's all these polls saying oh well gavin newsom has a chance of losing and in our own civics polling we never the numbers literally never budge from day one to election day and we nailed it on the dot yeah you know our civics numbers we nailed it it never moved. I'm not, I'm not saying it, you know, up a degree or what point or two. No, it was like the most perfect horizontal line, and we pulled daily, yeah, so it's a yeah. daily tra- It was a daily tracking poll. So people, I minds were made up on the recall. The question mark was: Are Democrats going to vote? That was the big hope for the Republicans, right? It wasn't that they were going to convince people that Gavin Newsom was back. It was hoping that Gavin Newsom supporters would not vote and that their supporters would vote. In the end, it turns out that Gavin Newsom did even better in the recall than he did in his 2018 race. So it blew up big time in the Republicans face. But it's the same thing next year. It's not going to be about do we convince them is how do we motivate our crew to turn out and vote. And that's why some people say, well, you have to deliver for them. And some other people say, no, you got to point to Donald Trump and scare them in in abortion rights. You got to scare them into voting. And the the right answer is obviously you do both. You, you, You make a positive case and you make a negative case you know, positive for the Democrats, negative for the Republicans. Right. And you try to motivate. But I do wonder now that you bring up, you know, Kirsten Cinema. I wonder if there's a way to motivate some of our voters to to vote, not because Democrats or Republicans are bad and, you know, they roll their eyes because they've heard it a million times, but because, like, <laughs> make Kirsten Cinema irrelevant.
2: Right. You need <laughs> real Democrats.
0: Yeah, probably not. I, I doubt it would move a lot of people, but it's still so fun to think about.
2: Yeah. I don't know. I mean, it, it's it's becoming people who normally don't pay attention to these kinds of things are noticing more and more that they are the sources of the obstruction. I mean, it's kind of hard because people say, well, what's going on? Why is this happening? It's because of the two of them. So I, I don't know. Yeah.
0: And, and that's important because there's still a lot of like, oh, the Democrats can't get anything done. And it's like, you know what? There's a lot of Democrats. Two of them right. are blocking everything. It's not the Democrats. It's right. Joe Manchin and Kirsten Cinema. And so it's really frustrating because it does th- what they're doing with their obstructionism is they are reinforcing a lot of anti right. Democratic Party tropes. Right. And because um, people don't, you know, they're not paying that close attention. They just see that everything's gridlocked again, even though Democrats have the majority. They don't know that the majority is 50 50. They don't know that there's a filibuster. They don't know that, you know, Joe Manchin and the Kirsten Cinema are literally the only holdouts. They think Democrats are in power and they can't get anything done.
2: Right. And it feeds, speaking of tropes, the Dems and disarray trope. Mm-hmm. Um, and that is the narrative that the Bellway media is still pushing. Oh, they know, love it. They love it. And so here's the conflict. You had conflict with Trump. They like conflict in their media coverage. Trump's gone. So you have to create another conflict. And it's Democrats in general, not just those two. They don't single out those two. They single out the whole Democratic Party,
0: Democratic infighting. It, right. It's literally in the Senate. What it's 48 versus two. Yeah, this maybe. is not a this is not a a even equal fight. Right. Other than the fact that those two are the margin of victory. Right. And that's why plus two plus two next year. I would plus love two. let's get let, let's pick up the open seat in Pennsylvania. I'm feeling good about that one. Let's get rid of Ron Johnson. Oh, my God, that would be great. We still don't even know if he's going to run again. He's, he's, I don't think he's feeling confident mm-hmm. right now. And then if we hold all our other seats, that's our plus two. North Carolina, you know, it's a tough state, slight Republican lean. Florida always breaks her heart. Yeah. God, I love Val Demings. She would be the best. Florida always breaks her heart. I am going to fight hard. I am going to hope for the best. I am not going to depend on Florida for any margin. And uh, and so and what was the, the uh, Wisconsin, Pennsylvania? I think are our two biggest chances. We have to hold Georgia, Arizona, Nevada, and then if we're lucky and there's a bit of a wave, then maybe North Carolina and Florida come our way.
2: If any personality can motivate people, though, if and that's the big if, it is Val. I know. adore her. Yeah, I she's think gonna raise, of-
0: She's gonna raise yeah. so much money. It's not gonna be a money issue. It's gonna be can she get. Our vote to turn out. Is the Trump vote going to turn out again? They didn't in 2018, but they turned out in 2020. Are Cubans in Miami going to continue with the Republicans? They they, they really responded well to Donald Trump's socialism right. message. Right. And right. so they swung hard Republican when they had been trending a little bit in our direction. It's a challenging state. But on the other hand, and this is as gruesome as this is, it's the reality is that 2,500 Floridians are dying every week because of COVID. And the vast majority of those are in red counties. Ron DeSantis is literally killing his own supporters in order to, to uh, I don't know, beef up his bona fides for the 2024 presidential election. So we're talking, you know, he's at around 50,000 dead, dead Floridians in counting. Uh, the rate doesn't seem to be dropping. It is mostly them. And we lost a Senate race in 2018 in Florida by 10,000 votes. We lost the governor's race. Ron DeSantis won in 2018 by 30,000 votes. They are in, the, and of course, famously George Bush won in 2000 because he stopped the counting with uh, 536 right. votes. Right. So, this is a state where the margin of victory is rarely you know significant. It is Florida. And there's a very strong possibility next year that a lot of these tight races fall within the margin of the death toll of COVID. And so you'd think they'd be motivated to get vaccinated to stop that, but nope. So but but so I guess the question then we'd
2: have to examine more closely is the death toll which side Democrats or Republicans are being most impacted by the death toll. It's probably too early to figure that out.
0: but I mean, early uh, on, it was us early on because it impacted the black and brown communities and the northeast. But now a lot of those those early states, New Jersey, New York, they're solidly Democratic states. Right. So electorally doesn't really have much of an impact, but it's now hitting rural areas. It's hitting southern states, Republican led states, Texas, Florida alabama mississippi it is mostly rural areas right and so there is a dramatic difference now between a the the most trumpiest of counties versus democratic counties it is it is massive and it's particularly shocking because our people live in cities we're all packed in together and there are people live out in you know the country rural areas where they have plenty of space between them and yet somehow they've managed to create a a pandemic of the unvaccinated, which is mostly Republicans at this point. And um, you think that they'd be motivated. Like, I want them to vaccinate. I want this nightmare to freaking end, Mark.
1: Yeah,
0: I want to beat them fair and square. Like, But I'm kind of hoping that maybe if we point out that they're killing their own supporters, that they might say, like, oh, good point. <laughs> Everybody, please vaccinate. I doubt it.
2: They they wouldn't acknowledge prior to 2020, they were, they voted more with mail-in ballots. Now they're trying to stop that. they literally yeah. cutting themselves off. They, Republicans use mail-in ballots. We didn't.
0: In Florida, yeah. Well, I mean, in most yeah.
2: places, mail-in yeah. ballots were not the thing. Yeah. Then we figured out mail-in ballots, now they're trying to stop them. So, you know, they're, they're not going to do anything on their own behalf. We know that. Well, folks, as always, we know we're up against Marcos reminds us and motivates us folks stay motivated dailycoach.com civics with a q.com also download the podcast the brief wherever you get your podcast this week a conversation on california the recall and, and what that all means so be sure to check it out marcos as always thank you
0: buddy thank you so
2: much stay safe everybody
1: please stay safe yes sir
2: thanks for getting woke and listening to make it plain Please remember to listen, like, and wherever you get your podcasts, please give the show a five-star rating. And please do spread the word. Let's all continue to pray for each other during this pandemic and this police-demic. If all hearts and minds are clear, it has been made plain.